fix our eyes on you this morning. Will you fix our eyes on you? Jesus, will you fix our eyes on you? You're the author and the finisher of our faith. You're the beginning and the end. Without Jesus, Jesus Christ, we need you. We need you in our life. The Spirit of God just points us towards Jesus all the time, all the time, all the time. And so we need the Spirit of God to remind us that Jesus is the center. Jesus, be the center. Be the focal point of my life. Be the focal point of my life at work. Be the focal point of my life in my marriage. God, be the focal point of my life with my family. God, be the focal point of my life when I'm at church. God, be the, be, be the center. Be what you're drawing me to. And the Spirit of God is drawing us to Jesus. Is drawing us to this person, this unselfish, divine God-man who sacrificed everything. sometimes we just forget you're there. We just forget. God, we get preoccupied with other things. We forget. We just forget you're there. We just, we, we forget that the, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We just forget. We get so wrapped up in the rest of life. We get so wrapped up with everything else that in the moment that things turn sour, the moment that things turn bad, we forget that you're there. God, I just believe with my whole heart. If we can just be more aware of your presence, if we can just be more aware that you're there at every moment of our life, there to help us, there to encourage us, there to lift us up, there to direct us, there to lead us and guide us, we just be more aware of that truth, more aware that you are there for us. 
destroying my life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead me and guide me about my future and the decisions that I have to make today and I have to make tomorrow. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to speak boldly into my life. I welcome the voice of Jesus Christ and his word into my life in Jesus' name. And I well, I pray that you would welcome the voice of the Spirit of God to speak into your life and change you from the very Apparently, junior high discipleship starts now. Church, I want you to know that the Spirit of God does not sound like a keyboard. Okay? It doesn't sound like a keyboard. Doesn't sound like someone singing from the front. That's not the Spirit of God. Really not. The Spirit of God is a still small voice in your life that's leading you and directing you towards being more like Christ. It just so happens that we want to create an atmosphere this morning that allows us not to focus on anything else but to focus in on Jesus. And so this morning, as we worship today, as we worship together, the goal is not to somehow. Uh, convince you that the Spirit of God is being at church here. Because the Bible says that the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you wherever you go and whatever you do. Wherever, wherever you're at, that's where the Spirit of God is. And so what I want you to understand is that it's not, it's not a keyboard sound or a guitar. It's not people singing. It is the moment that we humble ourselves, stop thinking of ourselves, Stop complaining about ourselves and about our circumstances and we focus in on Jesus Christ and say, right now, you are the most important thing in my life and what you want to do with my life will be the most important thing in my life. 
That's coming into the presence of God because you don't come into the presence of the king and start, you know, start ordering the king around. You don't come into the presence of the almighty God and say, well, here's what you're going to do for me. It doesn't make any sense. You come into the presence of God and you realize, oh my goodness, the person who is here is the most amazing person and is the answer for my life. So you come into that place and you realize, okay, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? What do you need me to change? What do you want me to focus on? That's the spirit of God. So I don't want us to be confused. What we're trying to do this morning is just create an atmosphere that allows us to focus in on Jesus Christ. Music is a wonderful way to do that. Because we can, we can sing songs, and the songs, they focus us, the words focus us on, on who Jesus Christ is and, and what the Spirit of God is trying to do. And so we sing these songs to help us focus our minds we play them and we use these instruments to create an atmosphere that is, that is going to, sometimes it, it helps us emotionally connect with what God is trying to say to us. But I'm here today to tell you that the presence of God, the Spirit of God speaking to you can be just as strong this morning as it can be tomorrow morning when you're praying. It can be just as strong, the power of God speaking into your life can be just as strong as you're driving on your commute to work. As you are in the presence of your coworkers who are spreading rumors and gossiping and telling and saying awful things out of their mouth, you can be in the presence of God. You can be in the presence of God and he can be speaking to you in that very moment and encouraging you and showing you what to say or what not to say. You need to get, you need to get out of that place or, or whatever God's telling you. But in that moment, in those moments, that, that is why it's so important that we understand that the presence of God is not this. It's inside. It's in you. And he doesn't want you to forget it. He wants to remind you today. He is available to you in each and every moment of your life. Each and every moment of your life, the Spirit of God is available and attentive to your concerns in your life and your circumstances. Not just available, but listening to you. Isn't that amazing? That's not even in my notes. I was just, I was like, I just wanted to share that with you this morning. And you're like, oh my goodness, it's 10 to 12. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm always happier when you're here than when you're not here. There's no point in my life when I think as a pastor, man, I'm so glad they're not here. Like, honestly, like, I'm telling you the truth. There's not, it's not like there's a moment in my life where I think to myself, man, I'm so glad they're not here because I don't really want them to be here. That's not true. I want you all to come. I want you all to be here. It's way better when you're here. Is that fair? Oh, we'll just leave it at that. We won't go any further. 
let's, let's try and condense what I believe God's trying to share with us this morning. Can we do some condensing? Can we do some Cole's notes on my sermon this morning? Maybe a little bit of that, maybe a summary of what I want to say today. Uh, this is, uh, everybody know, what is this? Duct tape. I, 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 did anybody when they were younger think that this was actually the word duck? Duct tape. I thought it was duck. Like, maybe older than I, you know, I want to really confess. Like, I may not have known that it actually said the word duct until 10 years ago, maybe. I don't know. Like, like I, can we just be honest? I just never read because it does. What's that? Oh, that's duct tape. I don't even know how to spell it, but, you know, duct tape. It seems like the uses for duct tape, duct tape seem to be increasing. You know what I mean? They seem to be able to be used for, for, for many different things. And, and so we think to ourselves, what, uh, what, you know, what, what, what's the solution here? I don't really have the right tools, John. So what do I have? Duct tape. That's all you need. See, you know what? John's even like, uh, like he's a guy who works with wood and with tools. And look, you just gave John an amen right there, didn't you, Abe? Yes, you did. Because you see the value in what a piece of this duct tape can do. How it holds things together. And how many things that we can, we can do this, you know, use this for. But the truth is, is that the very best thing it's for, isn't it for attaching duct? Wasn't that why it was made? You know, this duct tape. I didn't really know what it was before it was, I knew it was duct tape. I just knew it was duct tape. It was really good. But in reality, that this was made for the purpose of connecting duct work. It wasn't? Well, then why do they call it duct tape? I don't know. See, he doesn't know. So that's, and so I'm assuming that's what it was initially for. Someone's just like, I need some tape to put this duct work together. I'll use this duct tape. That's what it's for. The problem is, is that when we start using things outside of the realm of, of the way they were created, things start to break down. If I use this tape to try and keep my car together, not for me. It doesn't, it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's not, it's not really supposed to move a lot. You know, like, ductwork doesn't really move. Really? Like, it kind of goes back and forth. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it, it's not really an, an all, it's not really a fix-all. It's not really what it's supposed to be for. And the truth is, is that if you are using duct tape in ways it shouldn't be used, the chances of breaking down are pretty strong. And so we got to be careful that we don't use something that's been created to do one thing and do other things with it. 
I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Here we go. Oh my goodness. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I need to adjust that tape or something. It's not good, the Lord said. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper that's suitable for him. And so now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the name would call each living creature, that was its name. Aardvark, really? Aardvark? So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and uh, all the beasts of the sea cow. Like, come on. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found, and so God caused, God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the the place with flesh, and Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he had brought her to the man, and the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh, and this man and his wife, they were both naked, and they felt no shame. We've been talking about God loving us. And about he, how he loves us so much. And that he loves us so much that he wants to share with us the, the purpose for our life. And that, that we need to realize that there are some things in our life that we need, we need to stop doing. That are hurting us. That are destroying us. Because a person who loves you will tell you that. A person who loves you will tell you if you're hurting yourself. If my child goes up to my stove and it is red hot and he is about to put his hand on the stove, I am going to tell him, don't touch the stove. Why? Because I don't want my son to get hurt. And it's not about how much he wants to touch the stove. It's the reality that I know more than him, and I know better that if he touches the stove, he is going to burn his hand. And so God Almighty loves you so much that he cannot refrain from sharing some things with us that we need to stop doing. So all of this is God's expression of love. All of this is God's understanding that how great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us. That we would be the sons and daughters of him. That one day we will live in eternity with him. That's, that's not going to change, church. Those, none of those things are going to change. He's saying in the side of this relationship, there are some things you, can, you just need to stop doing. Because if you don't stop doing them, you're going you're to hurt yourself. You're going to destroy yourself. And I just, I need to tell you these things because I'm trying to protect you. That's how much I love you. And sometimes the words that come out of God's mouth seem very harsh. They seem very, they seem like, well, I, I, well that's not fair. And, and we, we get kind of upset saying, well, God, why can't I do this? And why can't I do that? And God's just trying to say, it's because I love you. That I want you to understand that these things are going to hurt you. Today, briefly, I would like to talk about sexual immorality. That's no fun. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's no fun to talk about. But the truth is, is that we need to 
understand God's plan for us, his very best plan for us to succeed in this life. So today is not about condemnation. It's not about making you feel bad. It's about giving God the opportunity to speak life into yours. Can we all understand that? Nobody's here pointing fingers at you. No one here is looking around. I say, this is not about that. This is about achieving God's best for our life. So as we talk this morning, please understand, God loves you. And it doesn't matter where you are in your life and what mistakes that you make with your life. It doesn't matter. You do not need to clean yourself up to come to God. You can come to God at any point in your life, any point in your life, and say, God, please forgive me. And he will say yes. He will say yes. So we have to understand with sexual immorality, this is about, this is about how our bodies and how we treat our bodies. And so before we get into the three things that I believe God wants to tell us, is that we need to understand that, our, that how we treat our bodies is important to God. How we treat our bodies is important to God. It's not just our minds, it's not just our emotions, it's not just our finances. How we treat our bodies makes a difference. Because the truth is it does make a difference, doesn't it? So in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins are a pers- that a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, or whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We just talked about the Spirit of God in us, didn't we? Well, as much as that's a part of our soul and our being, it's also our physical bodies. And how we treat our physical bodies is important because it affects the outcomes of our life, doesn't it? How we we treat our bodies affects the outcomes of our life. And so we need to understand, first and foremost, before we start talking anything, that yes, God has is allowed to speak, the Holy Spirit is allowed to speak and welcome to speak to me about how I treat my body. Will you allow the Spirit, that's, and that's the question he asked you, will you allow the Holy Spirit, will you welcome that voice into your life to say, hey, look, there are some things that you're doing with your body that are going to hurt you, that are destroying you, and you should stop doing those things. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. Your body does not belong to you. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Well, we don't want to get into fair. (laughs) We don't want to play the fair game, do we? Because fair, (laughs) if we want it to be fair, fair means we should, you know, spend the rest of eternity in hell. We want to go by the grace of God, then we need to follow the pattern of his life for us, of our life. So the first thing I want you to understand about sexual immorality, that sexuality, first and foremost, is something that's supposed to be shared. It's something that's supposed to be shared between two people. It's not really supposed to be something we do alone. It's not. It's not an alone thing. Sexuality is not something you do by yourself. In any context. And I don't think you need to use your imagination. 
It's not something you're supposed to do by yourself. There's nothing in God's word that, that, that gives us a, a personification of understanding sexuality. Every time God talks about sexuality, it's in regards to you and another person. Not you by yourself. It's good, you know, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says it's good that man shouldn't be alone. It's good that woman shouldn't be alone. God, that God has called us together. That God has called us together, that he's, he's called us together, that this, this experience, this behavior of sexuality is something that we're, we're supposed to enjoy with together face-to-face, okay? Face-to-face, you know? So much of our life is no longer face-to-face. So much more of our life is, is, is over elect, an electronic device. How much, how much of our relationships are based on the electronic devices, that we have in our life, that we're connecting back and forth. And, and as the generations begin to get older, and the kids and the younger generations come up more and more and more, there are less and less face-to-face conversations. There are more and more digital ones. And the problem with that is that we were just not made. We were just not created to live life alone. And the truth is, is that sexuality is just not about you being alone. These sensations, this behavior was intended to be shared. A shared experience. But the problem is, is that if we, if we allow ourselves to have this behavior alone, we begin to have sensations that were never meant to happen alone. And those sensations, those feelings now get stored into our heads as something that's normal. And then when we get into the relationships, when we get into relationships and we want to have a functional sexual relationship with the person that God has intended for us, all we've done is sown dysfunction into our life. We have created a habit of personal sexuality that was never meant to be. And so now we try to bring that into a, a, a relationship that God has intended, and it doesn't work. It's not appropriate. And it, it, it just doesn't work. Because sexuality is supposed to be shared. It's supposed to be about together. And the truth is, is that it's better. It's better. It's be- like expressing your sexuality, it's better when you're with another person. It's better when you're with your, your husband or your wife, and that's a person that God has in- intended for. It's better. It's, you're free from guilt. You're supposed to be free from shame and guilt and those kinds of things, and it's just better. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just trying to give you the best scenario. If you want God's best for your life, and sexuality is supposed to be with another person. supposed to be shared. And, that, and that's, listen, that is the expression of our Christianity. Our Christianity, we're, it's supposed to be shared. We're not created to be by ourselves. We're created to be together. Romans chapter 13, verse 12 says this. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. 
Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Think about, do not think about how to do that. It's not something we're supposed to do on our own. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help guard our hearts, to guard our mind against going into those places because we are bombarded with opportunities. We are bombarded with opportunities to experience sexuality by ourselves. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. And so we need the Spirit of God. Listen, when I'm talking about the presence of God this morning, I am talking about the moment The Spirit of God can speak to us and say, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't watch that. Don't read that. Don't do it. It's only going to hurt you. That's why we need the presence of God. It's not just about going in the right direction, but not walking in the ditch. Because the weapons, 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they're divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We demolish it and we take captive every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. So church, I just want to speak into your life right now that you are not out of control. That the Spirit of God has allowed you and has the power to overcome every temptation in your life. Every single one. The Holy Spirit of God makes you capable to win every moment. Every moment. You are not powerless. In fact, you have the the most amazing person on your side. The Spirit of God helping you. So we don't, we take captive those thoughts and, and instead of thinking on those things, we think on good things. We think on pure things. We think on righteous things. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we need to think about those things. We need to have the presence of those things in our life. Sexuality is supposed to be shared. The second thing we need to realize is that sexuality is supposed to be between a man and a woman. I believe that God created us man and women, says Genesis, that we're specifically different. And I believe that he's created us to be a certain gender and we should act the way that we have been created. I believe that each of us have chromosomes in in our body, that if you're a man, you have an X and a Y chromosome. If you're a woman, you have two X chromosomes. And there is nothing, listen, Listen, church, there is nothing that man can do to change the very DNA of who you are. You can change the outside. You can change the extremities on your body. You can never do whatever you need to do. But there is nothing in this world that man can do to change the DNA and chromosomes that God has created and put inside of you. Nothing that man can do that only God can do. Do you know what? I trust that. 
I trust God that he knows whether I'm supposed to be a man or a woman. I trust him more than I trust myself. And I believe that that is how God has created us. I, I believe that that's, that was his intention. That we, we, we are supposed to be together. That we fit together. That, that we complement one another. Well, you should be complimenting your wife. Come on. Husbands and wives, you should say nice things to each other. Find something that's good about them and say it. Just, I just recommend it. I just, it's just a recommendation that you say nice things to one another. Is that fair? You're just looking at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean I've got to say nice things? Ephesians chapter 5 talks about husbands and wives. And it's interesting. I want you to understand at the beginning of the verse, is at the beginning of the, the, the section in the Bible here when it's talking about husbands and wives, the first verse in the section is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. The first thing it says, it says submit to one another. So I'm supposed to submit to my wife. She's supposed to submit to me. Now, how we do that is different. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the, is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and his body, for, we, for which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Don't stop there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing by the washing of the water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we're members of his body, and for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking to you about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Isn't it interesting that there are two different descriptions on how a husband is supposed to love his wife and how a wife is supposed to love his, her husband? They're different, aren't they? The reason they're different is because they're supposed to be different. Because God has created us to be different. Because I'm a man and my wife is a woman... And there's something distinctly different about me being a man and something different about her being a woman. So yes, of course, there is a way that I'm supposed to love her different than the way she's supposed to love me. It's supposed to be that way. Now some of you get mad at God and you're just like, come on. Why is this so hard? Why is this so complicated? Why is this so frustrating? Why can't I figure out what she's thinking? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that, that was an inner voice coming out. And it's only because those two differences put together are more powerful than two of the same put together. Those two different people and different Genders put together, man plus woman is way better than man plus man or woman plus woman. 
that's God's intention, that's God's best for our life. You know what? That's hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to say in this text. Because I don't want to be judgmental. I'm just talking about God's best. I'm not here to say that people are horrible. I'm not here to say that people aren't trying. I'm not trying to say people aren't reaching out to God. And I'm not disqualifying anybody this morning. That's not what I'm here to do. This isn't about disqualification. Because the truth is, is that we'd all be disqualified. Let's talk about God's best. His plan. And I just don't see any other room in Scripture other than that. We're different and we're better together if we balance each other out. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Last. And everyone's like, finally. Sexuality is supposed to be experienced in the confines of marriage. He is. Listen, it's not my rule, okay? Before you get all up in my face, it's not my rule, okay? Is that God intended sexuality to be experienced within the confines of marriage. He has. And that's the very best way. It's the very best way, I should say, to experience sexuality. I, I get really frustrated listening to certain songs on the radio. I don't listen to the radio. Don't listen to there's some awful things on the radio. And, like, there's this song that's on the radio right now that I just, every time I hear it, I just want to punch a pillow. You know, like, I just want to, I just want to do something that is, so, it just frustrates me because to the very core, the line of the lyric offends me, offends what I believe. And I'm sure you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but it's a line that's spoken over and over and it says, I'm in love with your body. A song, that's the whole chorus line, it says, I'm in love with your body. Don't start singing it, I'm sorry. Because it's awful. Because we've created a sexuality, we've created a behavior that now we're not even, we're not even, uh, we're not even like connected to one another on an emotional level. It's just about my body and your body doing things that bodies can do together. Listen, that's, it's not healthy. It's destructive. It's destructive to think that somehow you can experience, that you should experience sexuality outside of a lifelong commitment to another person. Because when we do that, all we see is destruction, church. That's all we see. All we see are broken homes. All we see are broken lives. All we see are dysfunctional families doing their best to hold it together. And praise God, you are relying on the power of God to, to do the very best in your life. But I'm telling you, the very best thing for each and every one of us is, is to experience sexuality within the confines of making a commitment to the other person for the rest of our lives. Jesus said, 
in Mark chapter 10. From the beginning, the creation, God, this is the third time we've repeated this. Made, he made the male and female, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. It's better. Listen, it's better. Sexuality is better expressed in a lifelong commitment to the other person. It's better. It's, it's, there's no comparing. There's trust. There's understanding. There's, there's, there's love. It's not a, it, 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 there's no confusion about those things. It's not, it's not about performance. It's not about whether, it, all of those things, because you know that the person that you're connected to is with you for life. And so you figure it out, and you have this, this life, this, this opportunity to, to, to take your time and, and, and understand the other person as much as you possibly can. And love the person as much as you possibly can. It's, when the, it's in the confines of that relationship that sexuality is best expressed. And it's best enjoyed. It's just better. And so the, the question is, is that do you want to experience the fullness of sexuality as God's created it? Because if you do, then he's got some guidelines for, for us. He's got some ways that we're supposed to do it and not supposed to do it. And this isn't about bringing you down. This is about saying the, this is the very best way. It's a powerful, powerful instinct, sexuality, isn't it? Isn't, isn't it? It's powerful about how it can control everything. It can control our whole life and how we look at life and how we believe about ourselves. It's a powerful thought. It's a powerful emotion. We can either do it as God has intended it full of life but if we step outside of God's plan it's only going to bring destruction it's only going to bring hurt it's only going to bring insecurity and pain Galatians 5 24 says this, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So I pray, my prayer for you, my prayer for us, to welcome the Holy Spirit this morning. Allow the presence of God into our life enough that if there are things that we're doing on a sexual level that we shouldn't be doing that, that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to us help us to understand help us to get things in line because God created us in a way like God created us in a way that we're supposed to behave in a certain way and if we don't behave in that way then we don't work it doesn't work 
let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit. This is my duct tape wallet. It's even got a snap on it for the change. I made it all myself. I can make you one too in about 45 minutes. I thought I would do it while I was preaching today, but I thought you'd be pretty annoyed with me. See these black pieces? Those are the pieces I had to add later because my duct tape wallet just wasn't holding up. You're like, what do you mean? How did that, how did it, like, how does it even wear out? Didn't it work? Like, wasn't it working really good? No, it doesn't work good. It looks cool, but all the cards fall out. They don't stay in. And you, you think that this change purse is somehow going to work out, but you put more than four or five coins in there, nothing's going to rip apart. You know how I know? I've done it. Outside of God's plan of sexuality for your life. You can give it a go, but I'm telling you, it's not going to last. It's going to break down. And in the end, you wish you had something better. Sexuality is supposed to be expressed between two people, a man and a woman, within the confines of marriage. It's God's best way for all of our lives. us more than you can understand, more than you can fathom, more than you can, can even conceive of. He loved you. So he, instead of, he is risking the fact that you're going to be so mad at him for saying these things, he's going to, he's risking it so that you don't hurt yourself. He would rather you be mad at him for a bit.
sexuality. I won't talk about this at all next week, not at all. But if you are visiting, see Tara at the back. She'll give you a free gift. And uh, God bless you, church. God bless you.